Have you ever longed for a direct connection with the divine? But how can imperfect beings like us have this type of encounter with God? Well, in his new book, God Speaks, An Imperfect Path to Hearing God's Voice, Bob Shrimp invites you to step out of the shadows of life and embark on a profound spiritual journey. Bob encourages all of us to embrace a unique perspective on prayer, one that transcends mere meditation and immerses you in direct conversational communion with God. Bob is a devoted pastoral associate at St. Charles Borromeo Parish in beautiful San Diego, where he has dedicated his life to serving and inspiring the Catholic community. And he's joining me this morning. Good morning, Bob. Thanks so much for joining us on The Morning Blend. Hey, Brenda. Thank you so much for having me. I'm all excited to be up with you and your listeners up in the Northwest. I was so excited as we were preparing for our interview. I was telling you about the fact that I'm a SoCal girl myself, and it turns out we know a whole lot of the same people. It's just really an incredible opportunity to talk with you. I'm looking forward to this discussion. First, for our listeners, tell us a little bit about yourself and some of the great work you've been able to accomplish in the field of evangelization. Yeah, sure. I, I'll, I'll try to do it quickly. There's a lot that goes on that makes up Bob Shrimp, but I started as a youth minister back in the 80s. I was a graduate from Franciscan University. I, I had grown up in North County, as we had spoken. We were very close, almost neighbors up there. <clears throat> Always been involved in the church, big family, 10 brothers and sisters. My pop passed away when I was a little boy. Church was very instrumental in, in my formation and growing up and being there for me at a very difficult time. Getting out of Steubenville, I ran a ministry for about uh, almost 35 years called the Gathering Youth Ministry down here in San Diego area, and we grew it from about 20 to 30 kids when I first arrived to over 700 kids meeting every week, and that led to a call from my old school. Father Mike Scanlon was president at University of Steubenville, and now called Franciscan University, and they had this little conference on campus, and they were trying to figure out what to do with it and how to grow it, and they gave me a call and said, you're you're literally your weekly meetings are as big as our conference. What are you doing? And so I flew out there and I was uh, able to meet with Jim Beckman and a few others. And we rewrote the Steubenville conference and we took it off campus and brought it around the United States. And so for a dozen years, as I was doing the youth ministry, I was also double dipping as the host for Steubenville conferences and getting them around the country and became a trainer at Life Teen. I would go out there in Arizona and train the Life Teen ministers. I worked at church partnership with Young Life. So I, w- I was involved in ministry all over the place. I, I, I never really stopped. And, and today I'm a pastoral associate at a parish down here in San Diego with your beloved father, John Amsbury, who used to be a Portland diocesan priest and is now down here in San Diego. We were roommates in college, and so we're working together down here in San Diego. And that has led me to this day where I've decided to write some books and share a little bit more about my experiences as I have now turned into an old man. <laughs> oh, perhaps in years, but definitely not in excitement and and just real heart for our Lord in evangelization and for youth. I, I would love to talk to you a moment about this, because as we were talking in preparation, you are friends with my youth minister that I grew up in high school knowing. And what I remember so well. And, and believe in my heart to this day is my faith and my passion for my faith 
is really hinged and and based on that youth minister. For our young people today, as parents, now we're starting to realize how so many of them feel lost in this day and age. And there are so many things online, technology, things that we never had to deal with that is drawing them away from the church. What can you say to us parents in, in working with teens for many, many years that gives us hope to know that there is still a place for young people in the church. Yeah, that's a great question. I, I think the world, you know, technology changes a lot. So I think a lot of times when we say the world's changing, we're saying technology has changed. And technology then changes the playing field. And uh, it has its challenges, right? My generation, I can remember my grandparents saying, turn that boob tube off. They <laughs> called the TV the boob tube. You get that thing off. You just stare at that all day long. And... Um, you know, so we have we have challenges. There was a, a study that came out of UCLA recently, and it referenced uh, the COVID era and the teen, the kids coming out of COVID sure. and the depression, the separation, the anxiety that they're all experiencing are epidemic portions. But they found a common thread for teens that did not experience these things that that were more well adjusted and adjusted in society and in faith and in relationships that weren't going through all these anxieties and depressions and suicidal thoughts. And the common thread they found, and it's not a religious study, it's just a study, anthropology, on uh, they, they had five adult relationships in their life, meaningful adult relationships. And I, I study, I'm just finishing up a master's right now, and we've been studying a lot of, uh, of these um, trends out there and what to do with youth ministry in the future. But that struck me as as very pivotal. You said that your youth ministry was very impactful in your life. Mm-hmm. I, I can point to a lot of teens that would say the same about me. I could say that about the priest and others that were in my life growing up. It's adult relationships and that mentorship. Because a teen and a, uh, having a good friend as a teen, teen to teen, peer to peer, not so deep. You're not going to get, you're going to get, oh, do what makes you feel good. You're not going to get the best advice. But adults in your life, it makes a lot of sense. The more that you can surround your kids with healthy adults, the more well-adjusted and healthy they will be. So, for example, my son, when he turned 16, I picked uh, eight or nine of men in his life, brothers, uncles, um, men in my youth ministry, a priest, friends, and I asked each one of them to take him out. And in the course of a couple of days, they all got a couple hours with him. And I said, just share with them advice on what you think is important being a man. And so... I, I would do things like that, just keeping adults into my kids' lives and speaking into their lives. Of course, I wanted a Christian influence in there, too. But um, that, that I think, if you, if you ask me in a nutshell, I would take a deep breath if I was a parent and just say, make sure you're connecting your kids to family, to friends, to priests, to uh, uh, teachers, anybody in their lives that could speak truth into their in, in life and spirit and be a good role model Make sure they're interacting with them. And I think our world today, because of the abuse, and on and on and on, we tend to pull kids away and separate them out. And they're missing a really important part of development and growth in faith and just in maturity. Mm. Oh, amen to that. And for you, I would also say for several of my kids, in fact, I think all three of my daughters all had an opportunity to attend a Steubenville conference, Steubenville mm-hmm. Northwest. I think they've mm-hmm. got an opportunity to go in San Diego, even in Texas before. And they all came back with the same thing. Mom, to kneel in adoration with mm-hmm. thousands 
of people my own age. It was so incredibly inspiring to know that they weren't alone in their faith. And there were many people that had strong faith who also had questions who were trying to find their way to closer relationship to God. And they said, well, so much of that experience they realized at the Steubenville Conference. So what a wonderful gift that that conference is to so many young people around the world. This morning, I am speaking with Bob Shrimp. He is the author of a new book, God Speaks, An Imperfect Path to Hearing God's Voice. He's joining me to talk more about it, but Bob... <laughs> I've already come up against my break. You can't. You can't. Oh, well, so here's what we need to do. I'm going to have to pause, go into a break for a moment. So that way, when we come back, we can talk more about your book. Can you stay with me this morning? Absolutely. Thank you. And I am back with author Bob Shrimp. He is joining me today. We had intended in our first half hour to talk about his <laughs> new book, God Speaks. But, well, God led us in a little bit of a different direction this morning. Bob has so graciously stayed with us so we can continue our discussion this morning. Bob, thanks so much for staying with us. Oh, I appreciate it. And I, I do have to say, when we talked about the conferences before the break, one of the things that your daughter's experienced in that adoration, you were talking about how they, they, they got so much out of adoration. And I've been to uh, seven World Youth Days, too, so I've actually been with millions of teens in adoration and uh, seen that dynamic, and obviously with my own ministry. But one of the things our teens need is they need to know they're not alone. And mm-hmm. I think when they, they're in strength in numbers, right, you're there. And a lot of times even the adoration will evoke an emotional response. And we get some Sometimes we would get some criticism at Steubenville conferences because of that. Oh, it's just all in motion. And what I, what I think what we miss is that there's a connection they're making not only to the Eucharist there, but to those around them that life's tough. And teenagers do have a lot on, on, on their shoulders, and, and they, they hold in so much. And they're attacked from media and TV, social media. Everything around them is, is negative and pulling them down. And yet we expect them to all of a sudden be these perfect people walking around and a night like that allows them their their guard comes down they realize Mm -hmm. everybody else in that room also is with them and boy that that can bring about a pretty strong change in attitude and mind and heart Absolutely. And it is a true gift for the the faith relationship of so many young people. So if you are near a Steubenville conference, please definitely check it out and find a way to get your young people to it. Sign up. Well, Bob, just recently on the morning show, we talked about how St. Francis de Sales said, just because you pray the rosary every day doesn't make you holy if you do it with an empty heart. Now, in your book, you unfold a fresh and unconventional view of prayer that goes beyond the ordinary. Because I've got to tell you, I'm very much interested in this because I've made it a habit this year. I have prayed the rosary every day going home from work. But sometimes what I have found was I fall into what St. Francis de Sales is, that I'm just repeating words that I've known my whole life. And I'll get down the road and go, wait a second, how did I get on this fourth mystery? Because I haven't been paying attention and I haven't been allowing myself to dive into this. And I've been praying maybe with more of an empty heart. So tell our listeners a little bit about how you get into that in your book, this unconventional view of prayer. Yeah, I appreciate that. The set forms of prayers that the church has are novenas, our rosaries, and I am a 
huge fan of the rosary. So mm-hmm. we, that would be another, you'll get me in on another radio show for the rosary. I'm happy to talk about that. And the fact that you even mentioned St. Francis de Sales, who is the patron saint of journalists, and we're talking about my book, we're tying this all in very nicely today, very Catholic of us. But the, the, when you have a formal prayer, a set of prayers, that, that's more of a new, uh, uh, um, I could go into a, a, the whole science behind counting on a rosary, what it does to your brain, how it opens it up to, to God, the creative side, how the analytical side can shut down because you're counting numbers. So it, it actually does free open the creative space of your brain. But I want to actually just move this a little further and talk about personal prayer. So this is a little different. This is prayer me sitting down before the Lord and, 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 um, and having a set prayer time where I will interact with him and he will interact with me. And that's the key to prayer is prayer is a conversation with God. And the thing that is missing, and especially in these formal prayers, is we don't have the listen to God part because a conversation is me talking and it's me listening. And for me, the most important part of that prayer is to listen. He is our shepherd. We are to know his voice. How do you know his voice? How do you know how to follow him? And that's what I love to open up in the book. And I have some chapters in there that are really uh, inspiring and life-changing of God intervening directly into my life by speaking uh, such, a, such a strong word that I acted on it. And, I, and if I can, I want to break open one quick chapter to give you an example of what I'm talking about yes. here about how we learn to listen to God. Mm -hmm. So it's not going to happen all at once. And the book has little steps that will help open up your heart and your mind and your soul to listening to God and how to identify his voice. Because we have a, we have a conscience and God speaks through that conscience. So if I was, um, if we were on TV right now and, and uh, I had a puppy here and, uh, and I swatted the puppy on the nose because he did something bad. Well, everybody in the audience would be horrified. Like, don't hit that puppy. What's in it? What's in us that makes all of us agree that that's not the right thing to do? Well, God made us that way. That's called a conscience. We know right from wrong, and so our thoughts also are formed by that conscience. And so through that conscience, God will speak. And as you tune in more and more to the conscience that God has put into us, you begin to hear His voice different than yours. So on the cover of my book, if you get it, you get it up on Amazon right now. You can look at it. There's a picture of a boy going down in the water, and there's a hand underneath him. That's a story of my son who drowned. Now, I have a very difficult time <clears throat> always talking about this. Mm. And I knew I told, I told you when we started, I would cry. Mm, you and sure did. There will never be a day that my heart won't ache because of the love I have for my son. And it's a story that no parent ever wants to live. You hear this on the news. You hear it all the time. A child slipped away and he drowned and how horrible that was. And every parent gasped and they say, gosh, not my child. I, 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 you know, and it happened to my wife and I, we were at a party and my son disappeared. We didn't know it. It was a big birthday party and he had run up a hill, uh, three years old, ran up a hill, grabbed a boogie board that we had here in California that we were goofing around with in a pool and was having so much fun. He decided he wanted to jump back in the pool on top of this boogie board, the board. I can't tell you how I figured all this out later, but I did. The board flipped over, and because the board shielded him, nobody at this public pool saw him. And then he he slipped down to the bottom of the deep end. In the meantime, I'm 
sitting down at a picnic table with the family. There's 15, 20 adults and maybe 30, 40 kids running around at a birthday party that we were at. And my daughter, who was a few months old, was in my lap. And I think she was kind of gumming through a peanut butter sandwich or something I was giving her. We were all talking when God spoke. And I just heard him say, get up and go to the pool. Someone needs you. So I get up and I hear the voice. I pray a lot. It was, we were all talking, just having a normal family conversation. And I hear this voice. So I get up and I walk up to the pool. Now I'm a water polo player. I made it to the Olympics in 1980 as a, as a uh, tryout. I, uh, I lifeguard, I coach. So I'm, I'm thinking God wants me up here because someone needs help because I'm a lifeguard and I can help. And I look around the pool when I get up there and I see nothing. And I look down at the bottom of the pool and I see my son's shirt. And I'm like, that's weird. How did his shirt get up here? And then I see my son. Mm. So I dive in immediately, don't even react. Katie, my daughter's in my arms. We get to the bottom. I pull him up off the bottom of the pool. And a minute later, the first person I ever did CPR on was my son. And he vomits up the water, takes a deep breath, his eyes pop open, and he looks at me and he goes, Dad, I tried to hold, I kept saying, I tried to hold on, I tried to hold on, and that's when I began to realize, oh, he took the boogie board, it flipped over. I told him if it ever flipped over, just hold on, I'll get him. And, uh, and he drowned. But there's God intervening, and that's why the hand is underneath that point, because God had him. And he called me up there to save that life. I don't know why some parents lose their children. I don't know why some drown, some don't. Some are, God intervenes here and he doesn't intervene there. I just know that day, because I had trained myself through years of prayer and listening to God, I heard a voice, I heard his voice, and I acted on it. Mm. That's a, one of the real dramatic stories that you'll find in the book of God intervening and acting in our world. Now, that's a big story, right? Um what I want people really to focus in on is every day he can come to you in prayer and he can give you that guidance and lead you. And it's such a comfort knowing that you're doing his will. And that that's ultimately by our baptism, we are called to serve God, right? That's how we serve him. Listen to him and do what he asks. Bob, as a parent hearing this story, my heart just aches and what a beautiful and precious gift our children are to us. And whether we have them for just a few years or for a whole lifetime, they are his, they are God's. And we are just always open to be blessed by who they are and how they make us grow in just yeah, our, our kids, own relationship. Kids are amazing. And they're going to teach us a lot too, right? Oh, <laughs> we grow oh, up a lot around our, our kids. For sure. Yeah. There are going to be stories upon stories in this book where you're going to see me uh, struggling. My mom was passing of cancer. I had a friend uh, who was in a car accident who told me he thought he was going to die. And we had this conversation and first person I ever prayed with and, and shared my faith with because he was so afraid of that. Uh, a mom who thought she had just lost her son because no one ever evangelized to him and she was heartbroken. And I got to call her and say, no, no, no. The day before he died, he was in my living room and we were sharing this the talking about Christ. And we prayed together about his relationship. So, so many different ways that God breaks into our world and these stories in the book, you're going to hear God speaking to me and others and how he works through that. But ultimately, I'm going to bring the reader to a point where you can sit in a living room, take 15 minutes out, and you can have this very intimate, structured time that I really believe trains your intellect, your will, your, your, your conscience, if you would, to form and hear God's voice. 
and become a much more effective follower. And you know what? I'm going to give you one more thing. If I can tell all your listeners one thing, God's speaking to you right now. And you know what he's saying? He's saying that I love you. Hmm. My, my, my spiritual advisor in college, you saw would say this, don't leave prayer until you feel God's arms around you. And I used to love that image, that God isn't there to scold us. He isn't there to um, tell us how lousy we are. That's the accuser, right? Satan's got the name the accuser. The Holy Spirit has the name as the advocator. So God advocates for us. The Spirit advocates for us. If you're in prayer and you're hearing negative, well, let me tell you, <laughs> that's not God's side of the equation. Mm-hmm. That's Satan's side. He wants to accuse. He wants to hold you down and make you feel you're not worth it. But the Holy Spirit comes, and he is a great advocator in Christ and God who can only love, want to pour out that love and that blessing on us. And that's what prayer becomes. It becomes this beautiful time of love and prayer and uplifting and encouragement. That's what prayer is. And I think we get, unfortunately, the wrong impression sometimes of prayer, and it becomes this drudgery, and I'm not good, and I'm sinful, and I'm bad, and all these things come up. And it's, no, 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 God doesn't want to take us there. He wants to heal, forgive, and move us forward. And that's all done with great love and great concern for those who, you know, for us. And Bob, with great love and concern for all of us, you've written this wonderful book. The name of it is God Speaks, An Imperfect Path to Hearing God's Voice. I am so excited about reading this for our listeners who have been hearing your stories, sharing your life so openly. Where can they get a copy for themselves and also find out more about your ministry? Yeah, the uh, the book is easy. It's on Amazon. And the book came out, and within a week, we were a number one bestseller in two different categories. And we were number two in Catholic books, but I'm behind the uh, Catechism of the Catholic Church. I can't, I don't think I'm going to pass that. <laughs> okay, that, that one's been published just a little bit longer than yours, yeah. too. So we'll give yeah, you some time yeah. and see. Wow. So, uh, you can find it on Amazon, and uh, I have a website, bobshrimp.com. And the last name is, the, I was, my dad always said, the seafood with an F. That's it? (laughs) Well, it's got a C in there, too. It's S-C-H-R-I-M-P-F. But uh, I'd be blessed if I just really want people to know this is the ministry of my whole life. I've never, I I don't want to say never, but what what I've always tried to do in my, my life is serve the Lord and share this great, amazing journey that he's given me and let others know the possibilities of what it is to follow him. And you know what? It's not. It's not who we are, it's whose we are. And we're, we're, mm-hmm. we're the son and the daughter here, and, and we got to live in that. And you will be so much more happy, so much more fulfilled uh, in life when, when you figure that piece of the puzzle out. So Amazon.com and keep that book up there in the high rankings. That's, that's all I care about. I, I, uh, I'm just so thrilled that it's doing what it's doing because the professionals said it wouldn't. Just placing your faith in God and letting him take care of the rest and just wait and see what he can do. Bob, it is just great to be able to have this conversation with you. Thank you so very much for your time and for writing and sharing in such a wonderful book. Absolutely. My pleasure. God bless you and your listeners. I'll be praying for you. Oh, thank you. And we will be praying for you too. And again, that is author Bob Shrimp. The name of the book is God Speaks. An Imperfect Path to Hearing God's Voice. I will include a link to where you can purchase a copy for yourself and also read more about Bob and his ministries. I'll attach that link to the podcast of this interview, materdayradio.com and the Hail Mary media app.